We are back with another deep dive. We're going to do two for one today. Knock out two more players. Tucker Barnhart. We're going to take a look at his season. Talk about his future with the team. And then we're going to take a look at Kerry Carpenter. Limited sample size in the major leagues, but had one of the best seasons in the minors in all of the minors. And I think the conversation about his future with the team is a pretty fascinating one. So those are the two today. Tucker Barnhart, Kerry Carpenter. We're going to talk about him today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, October 24th, 2022. Thank, thank you, rather, for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Home Security with Fast Protects technology exclusively from Simply Safe. 24-7 monitoring agents capture evidence to accurately verify a threat for faster police responses. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB to learn more. Okay, so we're going to take a look at two more players in this one. As we said in the cold open, we're going to take a look at Tucker Barnhart, and then we're going to talk about Kerry Carpenter's surgeons right just absolutely phenomenal season talk of the town one of the biggest stories within the entire tigers organization but we are going to start with tucker barnhart so barnhart was acquired via trade just before the season started and just last off season i, I guess i should just say and from cincinnati now Wow. I mean, a really tough year. We, we don't have to beat around the bush. Just a really, really brutal season for Barnhart. And when we first acquired him, this was a signing, a signing, a trade rather, an acquisition, we'll say, that I was fond of, that that I approved of, that I liked going out and getting. I knew that he wasn't a hitter. Everybody knew that he wasn't a hitter. He wasn't going to come in and be some phenomenal force at the plate. Um he never has been, and he never will be. This is a dude that has a career 680 OPS. Now, a 680 OPS this season would have been awesome, right? I mean, that would have been that that would have been a lot nicer than what we ended up getting. But he's a good defensive catcher, and I know at times this season we didn't see it, but we saw a lot of with him throwing runners out. We saw just with how catchers are blocking, et cetera. He, he is a pretty solid catcher. And even with the train wreck of an offensive season that he had, he still had his, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this sounds weird to say now. I was going to say he still had a negative 0.2 war, but that sounds ridiculous to say he still had, and then start with by, by saying negative, he was just below zero, but I mean, it's kind of a testament a little bit to him being a plus defender when you put up one of the worst offensive seasons in Major League Baseball and are still almost a net zero player when it comes to war. Like, that's something. I'm not trying to make a case for him. I, I think he's gone. I'm not trying to 
to really, you know, go to bat and, and say that he had a good season when he didn't because he objectively didn't. This was a brutal year. And even some of the things defensively, he, he was a plus defender, but even some of the stuff defensively that he has been good at, he graded out poorly this season. One of the big ones was framing. And, and this was one of the reasons, probably the biggest reason that I was really excited about bringing him in. I really, really was pumped about this young pitching core and, and Erod, etc. This this pitching staff we had coming into this season. I was really excited about the optics of Tucker Barnhart being that the catcher for that staff. He's always called really good games in Cincinnati. Everybody that has ever been a pitcher, been half of his battery, has spoke very highly of him and talked about how great of a, a a framer he was how great he was defensively behind the plate how great of a a leader he was how great of a play caller he was etc and unfortunately he he just he didn't have it this season we already know again the the defense wasn't even as good as it has been in years past so it, it wasn't even some massive plus defense but the framing was also like almost bottom third in the league when it came to catcher framing like it it, it wasn't that much of a plus if it was at all pop time wasn't that good now he still threw out quite a few runners by the end of the season but it it, it just didn't work out and offensively you know one of the reasons why I wanted to put two players in this episode is because I don't think there's a ton to talk about with Barnhart like I I really don't I think that this is pretty self-explanatory just in the sense that he he was objectively one of the worst hitters in the game of baseball. That's inarguable. And he wasn't nearly enough of a plus behind the plate defensively to justify the bad offense or to justify, in my opinion, keeping him around for next season. I think it's a pretty short conversation. Uh, again, offensively, it was not good. Nothing really went right. There isn't even one single stat that you can be like, oh, look, you know, he did this better though. Like, no, it was, it was down across the board and he already doesn't have a very good offensive profile as is in 2021. For instance, he had a 204 expected batting average, a 313 expected slugging percentage, a 265 expected weighted on base percentage. Okay. So those are his ex- expected numbers of the slash line stats, right? 204, 265, 313. This year, he did not technically have enough ABs to qualify, so it won't show up as being one of the worst in the league as far as those percentiles for those specific stats go. However, he had three points worse in expected batting average. He had 20 points worse in expected weighted on base percentage, and he had 50 points worse in expected slugging percentage. A 264 expected slug. And those numbers last year, bottom 2% of the league in expected batting average, bottom 3% of the league in expected slugging percentage, and bottom 2% of the league in expected weighted on base percentage. And he was comfortably by 20 and 50 points worse than last season. And those were some of the bottom numbers in all of baseball. And he was, again, comfortably worse and defensively while he is a plus defensive catcher all around it just it wasn't enough to justify throwing up 
I mean, like, I like the dude, and and I'm not trying to make this just a slam piece, but like, uh, essentially, an automatic out. And I don't think he would tell you too much differently. He he vocalized his struggles offensively, and and he got some publicity for doing some you know stunts to try to wake the bats up and whatnot. He hit one home run in the entire season. Like, I don't think this is much of a conversation, to be honest with you. Um, like I said, one home run, least fewest amount of home runs he's had in a season since his rookie year when he also had one homer. The only difference is he played in 21 games in his rookie season in 2014. And this one, he played in 94 games and just had the one homer. 11 extra base hits total. 16 RBIs. I mean, yeah, we, we don't need to just keep being a dead horse. Not a very good season. One of the worst bats in, in the game of baseball this year. So when talking about catcher, Hasi, we had a conversation with earlier, one of the best hitters on the team, which isn't really saying too much because this whole team was terrible at the plate. But Hasi will will probably be around. We, we did his player breakdown before. And by the end of the season, by the second half of the year, it just became impossible to even justify throwing Barnhart out there. Like Eric Haas just became the 1A catcher because it was it was really hard to argue, hey, we should probably be throwing Barnhart out there. Almost an impossible, impossible argument to win. All right. So there you go. Like I said, nothing earth-shattering, nothing you don't already know. Just we're trying to go through everybody on the roster. There's Tucker Barnhart, a really rough season for him, unfortunately. We will get to the future of him with the Tigers and just the catcher position at a whole. We kind of talked about it with Eric Haas. We'll talk about it again and the third and final segment. For now, though, let's get to Kerry Carpenter. I think that's an interesting conversation. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at – interesting is a dumb word. That's a fascinating conversation. We got to talk about our friends over at Simply Safe first. However, as everyone knows, athletes rise and fall in the ranks. But when it comes to saving money, Simply Safe always stays on top. And right now, you can save big with Simply Safe Home Security. They're giving listeners 40% off of their advanced security system. Simply Safe was just named Best Home Security of 2022 by the U.S. News. I use it. I love it. You'll love it too because it's Simply Safe. Your safety is the only thing that matters. They have 24-7 professional monitoring. When a threat is detective, detected, Simply Safe monitoring professionals promptly contact you and dispatch first responders to your home, even if you're away and unable to respond. 24-7 professional monitoring costs under $1 a day. That's less than half the cost of ADT's traditional professional installed plans. Simply Safe blankets your home. With protection, advanced sensors in every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and outside your home, smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that identify and detect fires, floods, and other threats in your home. Their monitoring experts use proprietary response technology to visualize, confirm, and identify when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. Don't miss the chance to save big when you protect your home with the best. Get 40% off of your order when you visit simplysafe.com slash MLB today. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes. That's simplysafe.com slash URL. Go today. There's no safe like Simply Safe. 
All right, everybody. Welcome back here for segment two of Locked on Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Greatly appreciate all y'all. So, Kerry Carpenter, talked about Tucker Barnard. Kerry Carpenter, really fun story from this season for the Detroit Tigers. What, where do you think he ranks in biggest storylines of the season? Like, biggest positive storylines of the season. It's got to be really high up there. Yeah? He, he's got to be one of the biggest positive storylines in the entire Detroit Tigers season this year. Really good story. Really good for player development when you look at um, the, the development of players and, and hitters specifically. That kind of gets dogged on a lot with the Tigers. And this, at the present moment, is a pretty big success story. So, Kerry Carpenter in 2019, okay, rookie league and low A ball combined. He had a 966 OPS, nine home runs, okay? Did really well, no minor league season in 2020. 2021 rolls around, he goes to double A. In 112 games, he has a 752 OPS and a 433 slug. He's got 15 homers, 74 RBIs. Uh, strikeouts under 100. He, he was solid, 752 OPS, 262 average. Like he, he was solid, but he wasn't necessarily breaking barriers. And nobody was looking at Kerry Carpenter like, oh man, hey, when 2022 rolls around, watch out. This dude could make a shot at the major league roster. No, there, there's not a single soul, I don't think, outside of maybe Kerry Carpenter himself on the planet that going into this season was looking at him as a guy who was going to play in the majors this year. I don't think that was on anyone's radar. Then 2022 rolls around. Between AA and AAA this year, he had a 1,025 OPS, a 645 slug, a 313 batting average, under 90 strikeouts in 98 games, paired with 33 walks, 75 ribbies, and obviously the big one, he had 30 home runs, which at the time of him getting called up, he led all of the minors in home runs. He also had 27 doubles to go along with his 30 home runs. So almost 30-30 in that regard. I mean, what is that? 57 extra base hits in 98 games? That is nutty. He was on another planet. And so I'm really glad that they gave him the opportunity to play in the majors this year. I think that's an awesome opportunity, obviously, for him. But I think that that is something, especially with the Honestly, just how thin the outfield was this season. The Austin Meadows thing we've talked about. Akil Badu really struggled this year. We'll get to him eventually. Like th There was a, a lot of opportunity, we'll say, in the corner outfield. to. I mean, Robbie Grossman traded at the deadline, right? There was a lot of opportunity in the, in the corner outfield positions to really step up and, and make something. And I know he played a lot of DH, too, and Miggy is, is – that, that's going to be an opportunity next year as well. You know what I mean? Like that's somebody's going to have to play DH a sizable portion of the season because I hate to break it to you. If, if you haven't already come to terms with this, come to terms with it now. Miguel Cabrera is not playing like 110, 120, 130 games, even though he's only going to be the DH next year. Like this dude is going to play a couple of games a series at most. I, 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 I'm not even sure I'd expect him to hit like 105-ish games. So you're going to need someone to, to log. Maybe they do a platoon thing. Miggy gets DH against lefties. Kerry Carpenter gets DH against righties. And then Carpenter obviously can play the corner outfield too if you want him to. Maybe. 
I don't know. But he filled in a role. He filled it nicely. Uh, by the end of the season, and I know it's only 31 games, 113 played appearances, right? He had a 252 average, a 310 on base percentage, a 485 slug. That's a 795 OPS. Now, if that was over the full season, that would have been the highest OPS on the team. So good, right? It's nice to see somebody with an OPS over, you know, 650 like the rest of the lineup. That's at least not refreshing, even if it's not technically a qualified hitter. But, I mean, 10 extra base hits in 31 games, again, really solid number in that one. Uh, or 11 extra base hits. Sorry, I forgot he had a triple in there. 11 extra base hits in 31 games, solid. Like, he, he, he really looked good, and he started off slow, and we talked about it on the show. The first, what, week? Five games, maybe? Until he got his first hit, really. He, he, he looked kind of maybe overwhelmed. He was swinging and everything. He had a lot of strikeouts. And then after really he got that first hit, he kind of just buckled down and, and, and really improved. And he went a little bit of a heater there after he got his first hit and then kind of dipped again a little bit in like mid-September and then finished on a strong note again, ended the season really hot as well. So we'll gladly take it. And, and his swing is very uh, compact. I really like his swing a lot. Uh, maybe a little bit of work still on the follow through, but he's young and the development clearly whatever he did developmentally this year worked wonders. So not really tripping about it, but I, I, I think there's still a little bit stuff stuff there maybe to work on as a whole, though, this is a, a huge success story. Like I said, one of the him and Wilmer Flores are, are probably the two biggest like positive storylines from this season. Uh, maybe. Parker Meadows, but like the, the, there's that, that was the, really the only three. There's not too much to go around when it comes to positive storylines this year uh, in the organization. And I think that Kerry Carpenter is certainly one of them. So fantastic season. And I think the biggest conversation is what to do with him next year. I think he has really turned some heads and at some point he's going to become undeniable if he keeps just crushing minor league pitching. So we're going to talk about what to do with Kerry Carpenter and Tucker Barnhart, both right after this. What is up, everybody? Welcome back here to our third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Okay. I don't usually do that in the third segment, and I don't know why I just did it. Anyway, okay. Yes. Tucker Barnhart and Kerry Carpenter. So Tucker Barnhart, again, I, I think is a pretty quick conversation, unfortunately. Again, I, I don't want to just come on here and just slam people, but like if, if we're going to do the percentage thing for Barnhart, let's just give it a zero and move on. I, I really don't think there's any chance that Tucker Barnhart is in Old English D next year. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. I have no clue why the Detroit Tigers would bring him back. Again, great dude. Didn't work out here. Wish you nothing but the best. But I I don't think that there's any scenario in which the Tigers look at what he did in 2022 and go, you know what? This is somebody that we need to prioritize for next season. I think this is a guaranteed zero. I would be absolutely stunned. I would be floored 
it would be one of the biggest surprises of the entire offseason if he was back in 2023. I think it is a 0% chance. The first zero, one of, maybe the only zero I give out, honestly. I, like, I, I am very sure that he will not be back because that just requires us actually re-signing him. Like, it's not like there's control. Like, that would cause an actual re-signing, and I, I don't think that, that that makes any sense. So, Tucker Barnhart likely gone. However, when it comes to Kerry Carpenter, I think that this is a fascinating conversation. So, corner outfield next season, okay? Where, what does the corner outfield look like next year? I think presently, it is Riley Green is going to get one of those spots. Austin Meadows is going to get one of those spots. And then you kind of have a conversation about what to do with the other one. Now, I still, and we'll get into this when we do our deep dive on Riley Green, but there is, and and I'm not trying to say that Riley Green is some terrible defender. He's not. He has proved a lot of people wrong from his draft night to now. He has been a plus defender in center field. He was very good defensively this year. Love it. That being said, I still don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if the Tigers brought in an even better defensive center fielder to play in center and then move Riley Green to one of the corners. I think that might utilize his value even more and utilize the team's value and in, in the defense in the outfield even more. Okay. So that's a conversation. And also, if you're just like Akil Badu really struggled this season. We'll talk about that when we get to him as well. I There's just this kind of this bigger question mark around what to do with the final outfield position. Riley Green and Austin Meadows are going to lock down two of them. Which two? We don't know, but two of them at least. Do you just roll into next season with an outfield of center field, Riley Green, right and left field, Kerry Carpenter, Austin Meadows. Is that just what you do? You just roll into to next season with that? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think that that's putting a lot of faith in Kerry Carpenter. And it, Or if it's not Kerry Carpenter, then it's putting a lot of faith into an Akilbadu resurgence. I, I I I would feel more comfortable if they went out and brought in another outfielder. I think that that would be better for the Detroit Tigers next season. I think that that would add stability to the outfield as it is. I don't see a purpose in bringing back Victor Reyes. We've talked about that. I I would feel okay if you rolled into 2023 and your outfield was Riley Green. Austin Meadows, player X, some addition in the outfield, whether it's free agency or via trade, and then Akil Badu, fourth outfielder, or Kerry Carpenter is on the team and he's doing DH time and corner outfield position. I don't know. I think that sounds a lot more stable and makes me a lot more comfortable than just, yeah, Kerry Carpenter will just you know, play 120 games in left field next year. 
I think I would really like him to be a backup corner outfielder and a platoon DH going into next season. That still doesn't hinder his playing time. That is so very important for development, right? It doesn't take away, oh, he's not getting the at-bats. He needs to develop and take the next step. No, he still would be because he's going to get looks in, in both of those positions in those two roles still. But it also gives you a higher floor for your outfield if you're going in and bringing in a veteran free agent outfielder or acquiring someone via trade or whatnot. I think that that's probably my way to do it. Now, there is also a conversation about Kerry Carpenter starting back in AAA next season. That's not totally out of the question. That's not unheard of. Uh, He certainly has the options to do it. Uh, Look, again, if we bring in the, the only reason that that would make sense is if this offseason we brought in the personnel to make that happen. They're not just going to look in with the roster as it stands today on October 24th and go, yeah, Kerry Carpenter should go back down to AAA. No, the only reason they would do that is if they went out and got maybe even two outfielders on the market or via trade or something and added to the outfield of this organization or brought in somebody to, I don't know, they bring in two outfielders and then Austin Meadows is like the 50-50 DH guy with Miggy. You know what I mean? There's not a scenario in which the current roster you do that, obviously, but that's not a bad move for me either. You bring in a a ton, like he'll get playing time in the majors at some point. Injuries happen, slumps happen, etc. I don't know. That that's not out of the realm of possibility for me and and that's not like the worst scenario in the world either so i think those are probably the two avenues for carrie carpenter um when we talk about his future with the team next year and i'm pretty excited about carrie carpenter i maintain excited i mean he's obviously one of the uh, again i've said it a million times i don't mean to keep repeating myself but he's one of the biggest storylines of the year this year and we'll see if that can translate into next season we'll see if that can carry over into next year But that would be a huge success story for this player development if we got a long-term solid bat out of nowhere in the minors one year in in 2022, right? If we look back and go, wow, Kerry Carpenter really came out of nowhere, was barely ranked in people's top 30s, and now he's somebody at the major league level, that would be a huge success for our player development. Talk about the dominating the strike zone thing. His strikeout numbers were a little high at the major league level this year. Again, smaller sample size, and that's a huge jump. So not totally unexpected. Um, would ideally like the walk numbers to go up a little bit, but that's something that's developable. So maybe that's something that he works on this offseason. But all in all, really big fan of Kerry Carpenter and really, really intrigued on what they're going to do with him next season because I think there's, as we've laid out, I think there's a plethora of avenues to go. When talking about likelihood of him being on the 40-man, it's like an 80. And if we're talking about the likelihood of him on the major league roster, we'll go with a 55. I like a 55. Not It's better better odds than not, but I'm not saying it's like likely either. Right, right in that mid fifties range, just over, just over fifty percent. I think again, I, I think that he will, he will have the opportunity to earn a spot in the spring, and I think it really his role more so than what he did this year and, and the story that is Kerry Carpenter and and whatnot. 
I think it's honestly more dependent on how many players they bring in this offseason that can play the position of outfield and or DH. I think that's probably more influenced or is more influential to the decision of what to do with him at the start of next season than anything Kerry Carpenter can really control. So we'll see what happens. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. Now for your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, just like us. I said YouTube a lot there. I just said it again. Okay, I think that's all I got for y'all. Um, yeah, Lions, boo. Red Wings, yay. Michigan to Michigan State, couldn't hurt anybody. Next weekend, going to hurt a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's it. Pistons, nay, not great. Early in the season, though. I think that's all I got. Appreciate y'all. We will get into uh, more players. Again, I eventually I do want to do an episode where we just kind of highlight player uh players highlight takes that i had earlier in the year that were either right or wrong kind of just do like a recap of uh this show's opinions and my opinions that i made public going into the season so we will do that at some point but really want to get through as many of these breakdowns as possible just to make my stance very public on everybody on the 40-man roster i just want to make all that abundantly clear as we head into free agency when the world series ends and such I think that's really good timing. So we will continue this and then get to that. Peace and love going to therapies. Dope. And I will catch y'all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.